The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 2145. On the show, we've talked about how The Force Awakens mirrors, if you will, many of the narrative elements of The Force Awakens. We have not talked about that in regard to The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker. So today we're going to start with a deep dive into The Last Jedi, but before we get into it, we're going to have to set the scene, set the stage first. Punch it! Hey Rebel Riser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So before we get into a deep dive into The Last Jedi, one of the things that we have to do is, as I said at the top, set the scene, which means we have to talk about what is similar at the end of The Force Awakens to what is similar at the end of A New Hope because the jumping off point for Ryan Johnson is not exactly the same as it was for, say, Irvin Kirshner with The Empire Strikes Back. One thing that's similar is that there's a big victory for the underdog heroes at the end of the movie. The giant space station is blown up, right? Another thing that's similar is that a hero-mentor relationship has been severed. Obi-Wan Kenobi dies and A New Hope Han Solo dies in The Force Awakens, but these are definitely different kinds of mentors, but ultimately it amounts to the same thing. Additionally, just like in A New Hope, the Empire knows where the Rebel base is, and the First Order in The Force Awakens knows where the Resistance base is, so that means that they're going to have to get out of there in a hurry. But here's where things get a little bit different. For a start, when The Empire Strikes Back opens, it's three years later and Luke is still with the Rebel Alliance, alright? As opposed to The Force Awakens, where at the end of it, Rey has already left to go find her mentor in Luke. And here's the thing about that. So, Ryan Johnson was interviewed in October of 2017. There was an Ireland Art Culture Tourism Week that happened in Los Angeles and speaking at that event, because of course a bunch of that stuff was filmed in Ireland, he said, that very last image of The Force Awakens with Rey holding the lightsaber out to Luke, that was so evocative. In every other case, Star Wars movies jumped forward in leaps of time. I knew I was supposed to do that, but the last image was intriguing. I wanted to know where we were going next. And I'll tell you, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I think we would all kind of agree that J.J. Abrams set up a very tantalizing cliffhanger with The Force Awakens. And so, yeah, if Ryan Johnson had jumped three years ahead, five years ahead, and we didn't know what happened in that moment, that would have been kind of strange, I think. We didn't have a moment like that at the end of A New Hope, and so, you know, waiting three years to see what happened with The Empire Strikes Back, yeah, yeah, it doesn't quite line up the same way. And as a result, the movie has to start right after the events of The Force Awakens, which means that the evacuation of the Resistance base on Dakar 
actually has more in common, if you will, with the evacuation of Yavin 4, which happened off-screen in A New Hope. It has been talked about a little bit in comic books and whatnot, but basically they were able to evacuate, and I think what happened is there's a an Adventures in Wild Space story, which... For all we know, okay, I know canon discussions can get a little dicey sometimes, but allegedly a tale was told about how a Star Destroyer showed up at Yavin 4, and Yvonne Verlaine, who was the Y-Wing pilot, who was one of the three pilot survivors of the attack on the Death Star, right? That's the one Y-Wing pilot that we see flying away at the end of New Hope, that she led a team to infiltrate that Star Destroyer and managed to, you know, help deflect its course so that way it wouldn't be firing on Yavin 4. It's a longer story, but ultimately the folks on Yavin 4 were able to evacuate without major damage to any of their supplies and without being tracked necessarily. But The Last Jedi, of course, it's 30 years later. You know, tracking should definitely have advanced by then. And we see in Star Wars Rebels also that hyperspace tracking is possible if you can shoot a tracking device onto a ship. But yeah, it has to get even further along, you would imagine, in the course of three decades. But I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself. So structurally, where we leave things at the end of TFA versus the end of A New Hope and where we start with The Last Jedi versus where we start with The Empire Strikes Back. Different situations primarily because of the way that J.J. Abrams ended The Force Awakens with that very compelling cliffhanger situation. That being said, because this is the middle movie of a trilogy, The Last Jedi is, you have to believe that there are certain markers that are going to get hit one way or the other. And so what we're going to look at is structurally how those markers either got hit or got reimagined. Because another thing that gets talked about with regard to The Last Jedi is the notion of recontextualization. And so going back to that quote that I mentioned from Ryan Johnson about how he knew that generally they go forward in leaps of time, but that image made him say, I got to know what's happening next. And so we got to start here, right? So that was part of an interview with The Hollywood Reporter related to his appearance at this Ireland week. And the reporter asked him about movies and Star Wars in specific and about, you know, fan theories and so forth. And then the reporter said, part of this whole thing is recontextualizing past movies. How does yours do that? And this, again, took place in October of 2017, so the movie hadn't come out yet. He wasn't saying too much about the details, of course. And Ryan Johnson's response was, Each new film hopefully recontextualizes what came before it. That's part of the game. Yes, it's The Last Jedi is a continuation of not only The Force Awakens, but also of the legacy leading up to it. Now, I had to look up recontextualization because, I mean, I had kind of an idea of what I thought it might be, and, you know, I was in the neighborhood, but just to be precise, recontextualization, the definition is um, to place or view something like a piece of art or, say, for example, like certain elements of a Star Wars movie in a new or unfamiliar context, especially in order to suggest a different interpretation. Now, if you're looking for a practical example of that, 
You look no further than Darth Vader saying, no, I am your father. That is the ultimate recontextualization that happens in Star Wars or in any movie whatsoever. So as we move forward in talking about The Last Jedi, a couple of things we're going to focus on in our deep dive. One of them is going to be this notion of recontextualization. How does Ryan Johnson approach the events of this middle movie in the sequel trilogy and decide to you know, change our way of thinking about things. That's number one. Number two, one of the things Ryan Johnson said back in May of 2017 in the Vanity Fair cover piece was that in starting his thoughts about The Last Jedi, one of the things that he said was, what can I, you know, what's the most difficult thing that each character can face in this movie? And that, that helped him define the movie. And the last thing that we're going to be talking about as we go through is just structurally speaking, how does The Last Jedi match up with The Empire Strikes Back in terms of the events that happen from, you know, broader puzzle piece perspective and, you know, how does it get changed around comparatively speaking. So that hopefully sets the framework for how we're going to proceed over the next couple of episodes and that's where we're going to leave things for today. Before we go, I have one last request. If you haven't yet rated Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app of choice, I hope you will consider doing that today. I hope that today is the day. Usually it just takes a couple of seconds to do it and it helps move us up in the algorithm so that way more people can hear this podcast or more people can be presented with the possibility of checking out Star Wars 7x7. And if you've already done that rating, then thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. All right, that's gonna do it. Thank you so much for joining me as always and may the curve be flattening for you wherever in the world you may be. This is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. <laughs>